Let's make some noise because my wife said, I don't know if you caught this. Hold on. We're going to practice. I don't know if you caught this, but she said, let's make some noise as we honor the word of God. And I don't want you to think that I think you're clapping for me because that's just silly. We're clapping to honor the word of God that is alive and active and it is sharper than any two-edged sword. So I just believe, I'm crazy enough to believe that to the degree with which you honor the word of God is the degree to which it can change your life. And so will you lift your voice, lift your hands, shout out, a shout of praise and honor for the Word of God this morning. Come on. There we go. There we go. There we go. Yeah. Awesome. I am very grateful to have had the opportunity to be away for two weeks and to uh, trust the people on our speaking team to um, be trustworthy with this platform that the Lord has built. Um, that's really refreshing, and it's nice to be able to step away and, and be somewhere else and know that you guys are taken care of. I will tell you that uh, I thought about you a lot, and I missed you a lot. And Australia's pretty cool, but you're cooler. And... <laughs> I'm really glad to be home. Carrie and I are really glad to be home. This is where God has called us. You are our people. And I'm excited about today. I'm excited that I get the opportunity to close out this series, Letters to Leaders. Um, I believe that I have a word from the Lord today. And so let's just pray and ask him, make sure that, that he's with us. Father, in Jesus' name. God, I thank you for the incredible worship. I thank you for the moment um, that we had where we could just feel your, your love toward us. God, we set aside our own agendas right now. We set aside whatever things that we've just kind of, expectations that we've placed on ourselves. The, these, these thoughts of I'm, I'm not loving the Lord enough. I'm not being obedient enough. I'm not doing the right stuff. I'm not giving enough. I'm not serving enough. God, all of that, we set that aside and we just, our only job today is to be completely loved by you. So God, come and love us. Love on us, Lord. Let us just embrace who you say we are. In Jesus' name I pray. Let the church say amen. Amen. Have a seat. Have a seat. I've got a lot of material that I want to get through today. <clears throat> Hopefully you're, you're taking notes. You're going to need to take notes because it would be unreasonable for me to get through this sermon today with the amount of content that I have. However, um, if this is anything like first service, I will get through the content and it will seem unreasonable to you. Uh, so you're going to want to take, take notes really quickly and, and jot down things. Here's, here's, can I teach you real quick how to take notes? I didn't do this in first service, but maybe this will help you. Maybe because uh, at the beginning of service, I gave away a journal that I got in Australia for someone to take notes. So Destiny, you can try this out. Just because I, I put a line on the screen for you to write down does not mean you need to write that down. What I found is that as I'm speaking, um, the word of God is coming alive in your heart and there will be something that either jumps off in the Bible to you or something, a phrase that I say. It could be a point that I've written out or not. Whatever it is that you just feel inside your heart that your heart just kind of skips a beat, write that down. You may not understand how it applies. You may not even be able to think that it applies to anything you're going through. 
But the Holy Spirit has a way of depositing these things into your heart. My, my hope for you today is, or for us, our time together, I suppose, is for me to really empower you to encounter more, to experience more. Throughout this series, we've looked at various letters to leaders and what that would look like, how to become better leaders. We've said that everyone is a leader, whether you have a title or not. There's been a lot of good material along the way. But, but today, I, I guess I want to share a bit of truth with you. And truth isn't always easy to swallow. It's not always easy to digest. At least if you're like me, that's the case. I'm really hungry for knowledge these days. I spend a lot of time in the Word. I spend a lot of time in prayer. I want revelation, not my interpretation, not even your interpretation, not your dreams or your visions or my dreams or visions. Like, I want to know what the Word of God says. I'm hungry for revelation like never before. And I have to tell you that as a pastor in the last 18 years of ministry, I've had some really tough conversations with the area of revelation, there are just some things that I don't know. There are some things I will never know. I will, I will never be able to sit across the aisle from a parent who's just lost their kid. Most tragically, several years back, a church family member of ours lost their 11-year-old to a gunshot wound. And they're asking me why. And what do you say? I'm the man with all the answers. I'm the pastor. And I, I got to tell you, pastors say some really dumb things in an attempt to just comfort people that they love. And I've learned I don't always have to have the answers. Sometimes I just need to be there. I don't need to be there so that you hear my belief or I get my thoughts to you or what I think God wants you to hear. I'm just there because I'm your friend, because I, I love you. And the reality is I don't have all the revelation, all, all the knowledge. And that's not fun. It's not fun when you're praying for a good friend with, with cancer and, and you're believing that God's going to heal this guy. And, and like to the very last breath that he takes, you're believing. Like, do you, you ever had that belief just well up within you? Like, man, God is going to do this. Now, I don't know what you believe, but we're a church that believes in miracles. Right. Like, I believe in that. I believe that God still raises the dead. He opens blind eyes. He opens deaf ears. I believe in the power of the Holy Ghost. Like, I'm Pentecostal enough to say Holy Ghost. You know what I mean? That takes a whole nother level to say Holy Ghost. Like, I believe, I believe in all that. And I have believed to the last moment, the last breath, that God was going to do something huge. And that next breath didn't come. Here's what I'm learning. I'm learning that a life of faith is not always about stepping into that next breakthrough. Sometimes a life of faith looks an awful lot about stepping into that circumstance that you are powerless to change. But you trust God anyway. The peace that passes all understanding. Like you don't give up hope. You don't lose faith. But no matter what happens, God is still good. You see, I'm learning, I suppose that revelation isn't the entirety of the gospel. 
the knowledge, the truth, that, that heady, nerdy stuff that I like. You know, I, I love that stuff, but that's not all. I think that we have severely undervalued the mystery of the Lord. Those things that we will never have answers to. You see, we crave the revelation and we should. But we shouldn't despise the mysteries. Because it's in the moments of mystery that we don't have the answers that our, our trust in him is strengthened. That our relationship grows deeper. And, and if, 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 we, if we press through the mystery, we know him more. And he gets a little sweeter each and every day. I'll tell you what I've been praying for a lot these days. It's going to sound kind of silly, I suppose, but it's, it's something I'm really praying for. And you, and you can pray with me on it. I'm, I'm praying that God will help me to live an unoffendable life. Like where I just, I can't be offended. That's my prayer. Sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? But that's my prayer, like to not be, not be offended when God doesn't answer a prayer the way I think he should. To not be offended when people let me down and they don't do the things that I think that they should do or they don't respond the way I think that they should respond. To not be offended at all of you on Facebook. To not be, that's a joke. To not be offended with myself. Like, have you ever been offended with yourself? Oh man, where you do something and you walk away and you say, why did I do that? Why did I say that? I just, I want to live an, an unoffendable life. I suppose I want to live with the capacity to never be offended because, because there's a truth that I've already come to grips with that I know to be true. I know it's true. Like, I can't deny this. That no matter what happens, God will always find something in that to work for my good. Right? I, I mean, I've lived long enough to know that's true. And, and maybe some of you have gotten there. I, I know that to be true. That's not negotiable. As crazy as my life may seem in the moment, I know as, as much trauma as I may be going through in the moment, deep down I know that someday, somewhere, somehow, God is going to use this for my good. Like that's, that's a truth for me currently in, in this season of my life. The reason I can't afford to get offended is that when I get offended, when I pick up an offense, I build a fence between me and that situation from which God wants to flow good things toward, right? I've already experienced the pain and the trauma of that thing. That's why I'm offended. That's why I'm tempted to become offended. So, so why not move forward and refuse to get offended so that then good can flow from it? I've already stepped through the pain. Are you with me, church? Are you awake this morning? I, I just want to live an unoffendable life, and I believe that I have the key on how to do that. Now, I can't say that it's proven because I still get offended. But I think I'm on to something. I want to share with you today is not only the answer to how you and I can live an unoffendable life, but also the solution to get your next breakthrough. How many of you are ready for your next breakthrough? A couple, a couple of you, okay. 
I don't know if you understand what breakthrough means, but breakthrough means like breakthrough that which you have tried to break through. That thing which, that lid that you keep hitting with your head and you keep getting that sore and, and your prayers keep hitting the ceiling and it sounds like God's not listening and suddenly there's that Kairos moment where God intervenes and there's a, a breakthrough where it feels like the heavens have opened and your answer is there, that provision is there, that healing is there, that relationship is restored how many of you are ready for the next breakthrough? All right, good. The answer to our next breakthrough and the answer to living an unoffendable life, in my opinion, and I'm going to prove it to you, I hope, in the next 18 minutes, <laughs> is honor. Look at your neighbor and say, honor is important. Honor. What part does honor play in your life? Are you diligent with honor? Are you intentional with honor? Is honor a priority? Were you raised to understand the importance of honor? Or is it silent, this latent force in your life that sometimes flows and sometimes doesn't? Honor is important. First Peter chapter 2, verse 17 says, Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, Honor the emperor or honor the king. The first two words of that, I want us to read it together. It says, honor everyone. One more time. Honor. One more time for the people in the back, my kids. Honor everyone. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. We don't just honor upwards. Now, let me just talk about lingo for a moment. I'm going to use the terms upwards and downwards and sideways. I want to talk in the context of society because there are, are a lot of people here. I don't know from which culture you come from. And it's easier for me to talk in the context of our society in which we live rather than kingdom talk. Okay? In the kingdom, as a pastor, I'm on the bottom and everyone else is above me. And I'm called to support you and to serve you just as Jesus came to to serve and not be served, right? So in kingdom lingo, if I say up, I'm talking about the people that I serve. But in the world, if we talk about up, we're talking about our bosses. We're talking about our parents. We're talking about government officials, people in authority, school boards, policemen, right? If I say down, downward, the people below you, who are we talking about? We're talking about the people that you are the boss to. We're talking about your kids. You're talking about your great-grandkids that bring you flowers at the airport. Hopefully the Austin airport, not the Australian airport. That means they'll be coming here instead of us going there. Anyway, moving forward. If I talk about down, I'm talking about the people that look to you for leadership. If I talk about sideways, who am I talking about? Equals, very good. Peers, um, just other people on the street, could be siblings, could be co-workers, could be any number of people. It's just a, a sideways uh, relationship. We don't just honor upwards, we honor across and we honor down. We honor down. Some people are brilliant at honoring upwards. But they really stink at honoring down. They're really good about you know, maybe, I don't know, I won't say the, the terms that some of you use, but the people that walk in the office and they're on the good side of the manager and the boss and they just say all the right things and, and they really put on this mask, right, of perfection to the boss and then they go to all the people that they lead and they're just brutal to you. 
if you can't honor up and down and all around, you're not honoring at all. And some of us are really good about honoring down the people that look up to us because it makes us feel good about ourselves, but we don't know how to honor the people above us because we feel too insecure if we honor the people that God has placed in our life to lead us. So we rebel and we talk about them and we, we do the opposite of what they ask and we don't honor those people, but we show tons of honor to the people that we're leading. I'm here to tell you that's great. It's really great that you honor the people that you are leading, but if you're not honoring up, honoring down, honoring all around, you're not honoring at all. I want to take you to Romans chapter 13, verse 3. It says, give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Sometimes when it comes to our lives, honor isn't just due, it's overdue. It's time that we really show significant honor where honor is due. Now, the question you may be asking is, how do I know where honor is due? That's a very easy question to answer. Honor is due wherever you have not given honor to. Because we know from 1 Peter 2 that honor is due to who? Everyone. Everyone. Look at me in the eyes real quick. I know that your parent has been not honorable. I know that your boss comes across as dishonorable. I know that your spouse has done something hideous and you just don't think he or she deserves honor. Unfortunately, it's not up to us to decide who gets honor. The Bible has already decided that. Everyone gets honor. Everyone. The people that you want to give honor to, the people you don't want to give honor to. You know those people who demand that you honor them and that makes you all the more not want to honor them? Even they deserve honor too. Because the Bible calls us to honor everyone. So I've made a list of a few people that we should honor. This will be fun for many of us. If you're a parent in the room, you'll like the first one. Honor your parents. Amen. Amen. Honor your parents. Did you know that in the Ten Commandments, this commandment is the only commandment that comes with a promise? Isn't that interesting? Out of all Ten Commandments, this one, honor your parents, is the only one that comes with a promise. It's even echoed in the New Testament, Ephesians chapter 6, 1 through 3. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on earth. That's right. If you honor your parents, the Lord won't have to take you out. I'm kidding. That's a joke. I actually, I mean, I've, I've, I've told my kids that before, but it was just a joke. I actually don't believe that long life is referring to the duration of life. I feel like long life is talking about the length of your legacy. So whether your life is short in duration or long in duration, if honor is at work in your life, your legacy is going to live longer and produce more fruit than if you don't have honor at work in your life. Never stop honoring your parents. There is, there is a point where you stop obeying your parents. 
I think that's around age 45. You stop obeying your parents, but you never stop honoring your parents. And I want to extend that beyond parents to elderly people. I think we should truly value and honor and treat as uncommon the elderly people of our society, the people who have gone before us, the people, regardless of their political persuasion, regardless of their race, regardless of their gender, regardless of their socioeconomic status, I think that we should truly honor people because honor allows their legacy to continue moving forward. Honor allows us to receive generational blessings from fields which we have not planted seed in. Honoring our parents is critical. There's another group of people that we should honor, and I'm excited to talk about this one, but I'm going to move quickly. It is honor your wives. <laughs> honor your wives. There are only a few things that I can find in Scripture. All the wives right now are just staring me down, not blinking, <laughs> wondering if their husband's paying attention. Well, there are only a, a few things in Scripture that I can find that hinders our prayers, that God will not answer our prayers because of a few things. Uh, one of them is a lack of faith. One of them is disobedience. But the third one is, believe it or not, not honoring your wife. If you fail to, this is how much God values honor. If you don't honor your wife, God will not answer your prayers. So God thinks it's pretty important. I figured I better throw that in there. The third group of people, I just want to throw everyone in one basket. Honor all people, all people, capital A, capital L, capital L, all people, whether you think they deserve it or not. It's just a good idea for you and I to understand that anyone that is an image bearer of Jesus Christ, which is every living and breathing human being, deserves honor. Because every person, did you know every person, whether they are saved and going to heaven or not, carries a part of DNA of God inside of them? Did you know that? By them simply being alive, they are an image bearer of Christ. And they deserve our honor. What is honor? I have a few definitions. Whew, I'm, I'm going to move quicker. Is that all right? All right, I'm going to move quicker. Honor is give weight to or substance. Honor is to elevate a person. Honor is to bestow dignity, value, or to treat as costly. Treat as costly. I have six points. I'm going to go through. Number one, honor always, always recognizes value. If you're living a life of honor, you always know if honor is at work in the situation, if there's value attached to it. So for example, and this is not to make uh, anyone feel bad if you've been late to a dentist appointment this week or to a doctor's appointment, but let me just say this. If you've been late to an appointment that you scheduled and you agreed to, it's not really a schedule conflict that you're late. It's an honor issue. I know, that's not fun to hear. I don't, I don't like to admit that about myself either. But it's the truth. I mean, unless you have a blowout or something that you absolutely cannot control, if it's simply you overslept or it took way too long for that foundation because 
you got a tan since the last time you applied it and you had to go to a different shade. Yeah, I don't know how all that works, but if it's anything within your control and you're late, it's an honor issue. I teach our team that when we have meetings, say we have 10 people on team and if one person is three minutes late, we have wasted 30 minutes of productivity on our team. Three minutes. That's like catching an extra light that you didn't anticipate, right? It's, it's not a time management issue. It's an honor issue. Because if you truly valued the members on team and what your team, the power of your team, what they could do in 30 minutes, you would be there early, not on time. And you certainly wouldn't be there late. I know I'm getting in your business a little bit. But if we're talking about a life of honor, it's a life that lives above reproach. We actually are called to be the examples in society. I believe that Christians should be the hardest workers in the marketplace. I believe that Christians should show up earlier than any person far from God ever thought about showing up at the office. I think that that Christians, born-again Christians, should have more solutions in the marketplace and in their career than anyone else. I just believe that, and I believe that begins with honor. Honor always recognizes value. So it's like, you know, say, it doesn't happen in second service, but say, you know, first service. You wander in to worship late. It's not a scheduling issue. It's an honor issue. You don't honor worship enough. You've not given it enough value in your life to show up on time when worship begins. Like it's not, it's not I, I don't like the style of music. I don't like that it's not loud enough or it's too loud or it's too long or it's too short. It's, it's an honor issue. Honor always recognizes value. Can everyone just smile at me for a moment? <laughs> this is truth, right? All right, number two, honor always involves humility, humility. Look at your neighbor and say, I have tons of humility. Yeah, that's not humble to say that. Proverbs 15.33, wisdom's instruction is to fear the Lord and humility comes before honor. Did you know you cannot possibly have honor in your life unless you have humility? Humility is not a fun word. I don't suggest you ever pray for it. Um, but the, the fact remains, if we're not humble, if we don't activate humility in our life, in other words, if our life is filled with pride and we get puffed up because we think we're all that in a bag of chips. Do, do they still say that, Chad? No. <laughs> well, see, that's why I'm not prideful. I don't know all the latest lingo. But pride would say, I'm all that and whatever the current saying is, right? The other side of pride is insecurity. Insecurity is I'm worthless. Did you know the people who are highly insecure have huge egos? I know it sounds counterintuitive, but it's the truth. People with a lot of insecurity, you think everyone's always looking at you. No one's looking at you. They're too busy, worried that you're looking at them. 
Like it's the truth. People that are very insecure have high egos. And when we're very insecure or we're very prideful, it is very hard for us to walk in honor because honor is all about giving value to something outside of ourselves rather than being so focused on our own issues and circumstances. Honor always involves humility. Number three, honor is always active, active. It's not passive. Respect can be passive, but honor involves action. It may be words, it may be gifts, it may be um, actions, it may be doing things for people. Um, I like to say that you can respect someone and not honor them, but you cannot honor them and not respect them. Respect can be passive. Have you ever just shown respect, like you've shown respect to someone by just being quiet? You know what I'm saying? You've seen that person on Facebook that just says the most ridiculous thing. And you show them respect by not commenting, right? We've all, we've all seen them. No one in here or in first service, no one. But we've seen it. We've seen just like the ridiculousness of our society. We've seen people in the grocery store just belittle the cashier, the poor 16-year-old cashier who's first day on the job and people are just giving them all kinds of grief because they're taking too long. And we just show a little bit of restraint and respect by just sometimes being quiet, minding our own business. You know what I mean? And then the monster goes away and we say, honey, you're doing okay. Good job. I'm proud of you. You're the best. You are the best cashier I've been to all day. You know what I mean? You can be respectful um, and it's passive, but you can't be passive if you want to show honor. It requires action. By the way, respect can be felt by me. Think, think in your mind about someone in your world that you respect. It could be a parent, a sibling, pastor. It could be anyone that you respect. When you think about those, those people, it creates a feeling inside of you. I'll give you my personal example. When I think about my dad, my dad, maybe he's watching online, but probably not. Because I think he's on vacation. Um, but when I think about my dad, there's just this little thing inside, you know, that's like, oh, man, that's my dad. He's a good man, real good man. I just respect him so much. There's this feeling inside of me. Honor is not about creating a feeling inside of me. Honor is about how I make the other person feel. So when I interact with my dad, I may respect him and I feel the warm fuzzies, but honor means when I interact with my dad, he should walk away feeling uplifted, elevated, like I pulled out the gold in him, like I've celebrated him, like I've championed him, like I still believe in his dreams and his hopes for the future. Are you with me? Honor impacts the other person while respect often impacts me. Honor is always active. Number four, honor always involves generosity. If you are an honoring person, you are generous. If you are a stingy person, you have an honor issue. Proverbs 3, 9 through 10 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. If I'm not generous toward God, I don't think I just have an issue with greed or poor stewardship. The reality is I have an honor issue. Number five, some of us have really enjoyed our kids hearing about honor this morning or our spouse hearing about honor. And I just want to take a moment to say that 
I'm sure that it's tough when you don't feel honored in your own home. I don't want to minimize that. I really don't. That's tough. But I want to provide some encouragement to you and maybe correction if it's correction to you. And it's simply this, honor is never demanded. Honor is not demanded or even expected. I can't tell you to honor me. That's insecurity. I can't make anybody honor me. I can't make anybody respect me. I can't make anybody like me. Not only that, like I don't even think it should be in my spirit to demand honor. Honor is not demanded, it's given. The Bible tells us to give honor where honor is due. Not to get honor where you can get it. So I just want to set you free this morning from the need to demand honor from your kids. From the need to demand honor from your spouse or your boss or your coworkers or the people that work for you. I just want to just really take that weight off of you and say that you just don't have to do that. That the beauty of this is that all you really have to do is give honor. And that's completely within your control and capacity. And when you give honor, the Bible says that you will reap what you sow. So as you give honor and as you elevate other people, God is going to make sure that that happens for you. You're tired from trying to demand it, but honor can't be demanded. It can only be given. My final point today, I know that I'm over, but I'm going to go ahead and um, I'm going to take some more time if that's all right. Thank you. I'll take that as a yes. My final point, honor creates another another level of breakthrough. Honor creates another level of breakthrough. If I can if I can break this down to you in John chapter 7 1 through 5. After this, Jesus went around in Galilee. He did not want to go about in Judea because the Jewish leaders there were looking for a way to kill him. But when the Jewish festival of tabernacles was near, Jesus' brother said to him, leave Galilee and go to Judea so that your disciples there may see the works you do. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you are doing these things, show yourself to the world for even his own brothers did not believe in him. So you, you see what's going on here. Um, this is Jesus with his brothers. They grew up together. Do you know what I mean? Like they, they, they played PlayStation together. They played Airsoft together. They, they ran around the lake together. Jesus always won because he went straight through the lake. And, you know, Jesus, son of God, he was a, he was a good kid. Annoying though, because he was always better than his brothers, you know, he's always the favorites, really would get on under my skin too, if Jesus was my brother. For 30 years, Jesus, who was fully man, fully God, had not done a miracle. There had been no raising of the dead, no opening of the blind eyes, no opening of the deaf ears. And, and here in, in John, we see his brothers kind of being sarcastic. They actually think that Jesus is just looking to get famous. They don't know that Jesus is truly the son of God. They, they don't actually believe that Jesus is who he is like the mom believes. And so they tell him, why, why don't you go to Judea where there's a chance you actually might could die. They're just kind of harassing him. 
I wondered today if it's possible, as it was possible with those in Nazareth in this block of text, to know Jesus as the carpenter's son, but not to know him as the son of God. To be so familiar with him that that he is no longer God to us. Brothers are accusing Jesus of wanting to be famous and they have been like this close to the son of God for the last 30 years and never recognized or tapped into the potential that was standing right before them. Can you imagine? For 30 years like that, sleepovers and campouts and s'mores with the son of God, they were this close to the creator of all things and they never recognized it because they had become too familiar. And then we jump down to Luke chapter 4. Verse 14 through 22, Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee and news of him went out through all the surrounding region and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. And he's reading out of Isaiah 61 here. Jesus says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. Now, I need you to stay with me in the remaining three minutes that I have. Let me put this in context to you. Jesus walks into the synagogue. Up until this point, like for the last 400 years, God had been silent. That's a long time. There had been no glory of God. There had been no dreams, no visions, no miracles, no angels speaking, no clouds or, or fire. There had been no burning bush. There had been no seas parting. Or, do you know what I mean? Like after the Old Testament, God was silent for 400 years. That, that's 10 generations they had been hearing of a coming king, a coming Messiah. And Jesus, in this moment, he's in his hometown, Nazareth, and he's in the temple, and they would just take turns reading scripture. And it just so happens that in this moment, on this day, Jesus stands up and he reads Isaiah 61. And a, a few things happen in that moment. As Jesus reads the scripture, something happens in the atmosphere. We know from John chapter six that Jesus says, when I speak out of my mouth comes spirit and life. Meaning when Jesus speaks, those words are spirit, which creates life. For 400 years, they had not felt the presence of God like you and I have the opportunity. Every day we get to feel the presence of God. For 400 years, they had not. But in this moment, there's this thing where Jesus steps into it And he begins to declare all that he's about to do. And the words that he is speaking create spirit in the room, creates life in their heart. And the next verse says, he began to say to them, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words. All bore witness to him. I don't know 
like if you understand the gravity of, of what that means, there's a mini explosion inside of everyone listening to the sound of his voice. When he said these things, all of a sudden inside they thought, this is the one we've been waiting for. This is the one our ancestors have been talking about. I mean, 10 generations have gone on. They, they don't even know what it feels like to experience the presence of God. And they did in this moment. Could this be the one? Could this be the one that they foretold about? Could this, could this be the Messiah? Scripture says it bore witness. Like inside of them, something exploded and they marveled at the gracious words. Now, gracious is grace-filled words. Everybody knows what grace is, right? Grace. We most often quote grace as unmerited favor. How many have heard that term for grace? That's, and that's true. But that's surface level meaning of grace. Grace goes even, even further. Grace is the empowering presence of God. Grace is that thing that comes alongside you and enables you to do what Jesus can do, such as heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons. It is the grace of God, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that allows us to fulfill what God actually wants us to do. And that's not just get saved by grace and go to heaven, but get saved by grace, empowered by grace so that we bring heaven to earth. They start marveling that they feel empowered to impact history in this moment. But then something happens. There's a dramatic shift. All of a sudden, someone in the back whispers, hey, is this not Joseph's son? They were being exposed to the eternal, but it suddenly got reduced to the familiar. They highlighted the familiar and it cost them the supernatural. A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown. Honor gives us access to the realms of breakthrough that gifted people like the person sitting next to you right now that God has positioned to contribute to your next breakthrough. It is honor when we honor those around us that we have access to that which is inside the person or thing that we are honoring. Matthew 10, 41 says, whoever welcomes a prophet as a prophet will receive a prophet's reward and whoever welcomes a righteous person as a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. You see, Jesus could not do miracles in his hometown because they did not receive him as the son of God. Because they did not receive him, because they did not honor him as the son of God, they did not have access to the miracles of the son of God. Because they only honored him as in that Joseph's son, they only had access to that which only Joseph's son could produce. The Bible says, if we honor a prophet as a prophet, we get a prophet's reward. The reward is the breakthrough that he brings into our impossible situation. So if I give him honor, not to his gift, but according to the favor that God has placed on his or her life, I have I have honor equal to the honor that God places on them. Suddenly I have access to the gift that God has placed inside of them. Now I'm not talking about people worship. I think that's a counterfeit. I think flattery is Satan's imitation to prevent you and I from true honor. 
Honor is a celebration of the spirit of God that rests on someone. Honor is, is me elevating you even when I think you don't deserve to be elevated. That's honor. I said at the beginning of my sermon that I'm praying to live an unoffendable life. And if you actually look at, I think it's John 6. I think it's John 6. The, the disciples are wanting to leave Jesus. And he, he, he asks them, are you offended? And he, he talks about them being offended. And that's when he goes in to say that the words leave my mouth are spirit and, and life. And when we honor the spirit and life from the word of God, we have no need to be offended. There, there have been times in my life, if I'm just being honest, that I've been hurt by people. I have. And I'm sure that I've hurt people. But I can't find it in myself I can't find it in myself to speak negatively of people that have hurt me. Of people that I feel like they've done the wrong thing. Of people that I feel like they've betrayed me. Of people that I feel like they didn't hold their end of the deal. Here's the thing. At one point in that relationship, I saw the spirit of God rest on those people. I did. I know that God worked through those people. I, I know that. And so honor to me is regardless of the actions that happen, the circumstances that happen, I need to honor the spirit of God that rests on those, those people for the time that I had because I don't want to create a fence between the relationship because God did connect us for a reason, for a season. And God already promises that everything I go through, he will bring something good from it. So it's up to me to continue to honor. I've already gone through the pain. I don't want to lose out on the gain. In your seat, I gave you an empty card. At the exchange, we, one of our culture codes, we have a culture of honor. And I hope I did an okay job articulating or giving language to honor what I believe honor to be. Honor is not, not just an attaboy or, you know, like, oh, the pastors are so great. Honestly, uh, you guys do a fantastic job honoring Carrie and I. It's, it's not about what I want from you. It's about what, what I want you to receive from activating honor in your own life. Honoring the people you lead. Honoring your parents when it's difficult. Honoring your kids when they make mistakes or they do things wrong. Honor is going to take you to the next level of leadership. Honor, I believe, is going to take you to your next breakthrough. So let's start with this card. This week or today, if you want Think of a leader in your world. Everyone's a leader. It doesn't have to be someone that leads you. It could be someone you lead. It could be a, a coworker. It could be a brother or a sister. It could be a parent. It could be anyone. And I want you to write just some encouragement. I want you to honor them. Honor them well. I want you to celebrate them. And then I want you to mail it to them or hand it to them. And let's really activate honor in our world. Is that all right? Father, we come before you today. I thank you so much. God, we have highly undervalued the potential of honor and, and the miracle that it brings in our life. But God, I thank you that just as we value a culture of honor at this church, God, that our homes are going to start to see increase in favor because of honor that we activate. Father, I just, I thank you, God, that over the next seven days, we're going to find ways to honor people in new and creative ways. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen.